Welcome to the Brand Design Masters podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build the skills you need to design bulletproof brands for yourself, your business, and for the clients and customers you serve. And now, here's Philip. As a creative entrepreneur, I know from personal experience it can feel isolating to go it alone. So I want you to take a second and imagine being surrounded by other accomplished creatives who are just as eager to accelerate the growth of their businesses and personal brands as you are. And if you've been following me for any length of time, you know I'm a huge advocate of mastermind groups and what they can do for you, both personally and professionally. And because of that, I wanted to let you know I've launched a mastermind membership community called Bonfire for Creative Professionals. Bonfire is a hybrid group coaching, training, networking, and accountability community. It's a place for you to make meaningful industry connections and build knowledge so you can really achieve your full potential. The best part about it is that you aren't alone anymore. When you join literally overnight, you're part of a group of people who would do everything they can to help you succeed and build a level of confidence in what you're doing that you've never felt before. In Bonfire, you get bi-weekly video coaching sessions, a private online community, a deep resource library of downloads, templates, tools, and tutorials, and you also get exclusive access to me as a mentor and a coach. So I want you to come check out Bonfire. Just go to philipvandusen.com bonfire and learn more about it. Again, that's philipvandusen.com bonfire, B-O-N-F-I-R-E. I hope to see you beside the bonfire very soon. The following podcast comes from one of my YouTube live streams. If you've ever attended one of my lives on YouTube, you know I share a ton of super valuable stuff there. So recently, I've started republishing the audio from them here on the podcast to make it even more convenient for you to listen and to benefit from them. Now, that said, sometimes I make reference to slides I'm showing on the screen, or I refer to chat comments or questions, but that just comes with the territory. And now, with that out of the way, let's jump into the episode. Hey, I'm back. How are you guys? So psyched to see you guys here. Thank you for joining me. And if you are not on my email list, and if you can go to philipvandusen.com slash muse and subscribe to my newsletter, basically puts you on my email list. So whenever I go live, launch a new course, launch a new mastermind, share my newsletters, I said, you will be sure to get it. So make sure to go to philipvandusen.com slash muse and sign up to my email list if you would. All right. So what do you think? Let's jump into it. Okay. First of all, I do want to mention that this presentation came from a question that Partel Visak, who's a member of the Brand Design Masters Facebook group, asked in that group. He asked, do you have any suggestions about how to structure a branding or a design process or project with a client? And I said, I absolutely do. And I think that would be a great subject. So here I am. So ask and you shall receive. If you have a topic or you have something you're curious about or want to learn more about, become a member of the Brand Design Masters Facebook group, pop a question in there. I take requests and I'm always curious about what people are wanting to learn more about. The one thing to understand about projects, design processes for projects, is that no two projects are the same. What I'm going to be outlining today is it going to be a, a really a laundry list of all of the aspects of a branding or design project from the very first contact conversation 
to the very end when you're adding that case study to your website. I'm going to walk through a whole tremendous number of touch points and pieces of this project every step. Now, like I said, if you're working with a really large company, P&G or a GE or Coca-Cola or, you know, you're going to do every single step of these processes in depth, but not everyone works with the Fortune 100. And so I also, I'm going to, as I go through this, I'm going to highlight out a few of these steps that are generally not done in smaller projects with small to medium-sized businesses or with entrepreneurs. There are a number of ways to scale any kind of design or branding project in terms of process steps, and I'm going to try to outline those for you as best I can. So as I said, going to go from absolute beginning to absolute the end. Now, everyone ready to learn? learn about design project processes, I will be doing a Q&A at the end of the presentation. So please stick around if you have any questions or as I'm going through this, if you have any questions about this presentation, I'd be happy to entertain them at the end. It's not going to be a totally AMA, like ask me anything completely extraneous topics. I'm going to try to keep it focused as much as possible to the content of this presentation, if you will. Let's do it. Design process, start to finish. First of all, most of you probably know a little bit about me and I won't spend a lot of time on this, but I've had a almost a 30-year career in branding and design, 20 years on the corporate side, eight years on the global branding agency side. I've had a six-year business of my own, and that adds up to more than 30 years, actually, as you can see. So I've worked on the client side and I've worked on the agency side. I've worked with most, I would say about half of the Fortune 100. And the processes that I'm going to describe with you today are the processes that we used at agencies to work projects with these clients. And since I've been out on my own with my own consultancy, I've been working with a lot of small to medium-sized businesses. These are everything from solopreneurs to you know $100 million companies, which is kind of more what medium is. And so these are just a few of the companies that I've been working with. And I, again, have used these processes in various forms with these companies as well. And so today... Who is this for? This is for anybody who is a creative professional who works with clients, but it's also for the clients. So if you have a company, you're an entrepreneur, you are a client side person, and you're trying to learn more about design processes, this is good for you too, because as I'm going to be talking through this, you as a business owner need to understand how a branding or design project goes with an agency so you can be a real thought partner in how to construct the best process for your project or for your company. So that's for you too. So we're going to talk about how to build a project, all the steps, how to participate in one, what you may need in a project, or in the case of a smaller company, what you may not need. And as I said, I'm going to give you guys a free bonus. So this is a tool, the Discovery Call Checklist, that I developed for my Brand Strategy 101 course. And I gave it away as a lead magnet when I was pitching that course last year. And it's a really, really amazing tool. It is part of the Brand Strategy 101 course. So when you take that course, you get this as one of the 24 different assets that I give away in that course. It's a discussion guide for the discovery call where you are having your very first in-depth conversation with your client and it leads you through a whole lot of different topic themes and questions that you need to ask. And these are the sorts of questions that will unlock more work for you. It will give you clarity on the project you're building, the current project, but it will also possibly unlock 
a larger project or more projects down the line for you. So it's a really great document. And I want to stick with me to the end of this presentation because then I'm going to give you the URL where you can get it. There are five steps. There's five major pieces of any kind of project. One is the preparation and the initial engagement. Number two is the project kickoff. That's where you, the proposal's done, everything's signed, and you're kicking off the project and you're starting in on the foundational aspects of building the brand. The next is developing a creative brief. And this is a major step and it includes a whole bunch of stuff. We're going to go into that a little bit in depth. Then there is the design phase, and I use the design phase very generally, the creative development phase. It could be a video, it could be marketing, it could be a trade show booth, it could be a brand identity. There's any number of you know, things that we're gonna, you could design in a project. And the final one is final delivery and follow-up. And the follow-up piece is one, another reason to stick the end, because a lot of these pieces of follow-up people don't think about, and they're very important. And I tell you, even in the largest branding agencies, the global agencies that I've worked with, in some cases, they are bad at this kind of follow-up. And this is the sort of follow-up that will lead to more projects and referrals for you from your clients and also in lead gen and getting more. So that follow-up piece, I want you to, to stick with me for it as well. So stage one, stage one is preparation and engagement. And in each one of these stages, five stages, I've kind of broken it down into kind of three major parts. So the very first part of preparation and engagement is engagement and scope. And when you are initially, you are either contacted by a client or you do some sort of business development outreach and you have that first contact with the client, you're going to have an initial call. It's a prospecting call where you are talking to your prospect, your potential client, and you are finding out very generally who they are, what it is they do, and what it is they think they want. That's the prospecting call. And this is an important call for you because in this call, it's very important that you qualify the lead, meaning you give the client some sort of context, very ballpark context around what you generally charge for the sorts of things they're talking about. And the reason why you do this is because developing proposals and spending time with clients on discussing projects is very time consuming and time is money. And so if a client is not qualified to pay your fees or is not the size or type of client that you want to work with. You want to find that out as early as possible. And we can talk about this in the Brand Design Masters Facebook group too, if you want to get into like the real kind of verbatims of exactly what to say. We're pretty much talking about steps through this presentation. I can't go into incredible depth on each one because I'd be here for eight hours, but we can talk about actual scripts in terms of how to say, how to phrase giving your client some sort of indication of what it is you charge for certain kind of deliverables. The next step is pitch and credentials. So you've connected with the client on the phone. You may now need to win the business, meaning they may be talking to multiple agencies if you're a larger agency and it's a larger company. And then you would go into a, a pitch presentation or sharing your credentials, your portfolio, your slide deck. We in the you know, larger agency world call it a creds presentation, credentials presentation. And in a credentials deck, you will have a slideshow of your work. You will have a description of your agency, why they should choose you, all this sort of stuff. 
and you would have that meeting with them. And then you're going to get into the discovery call where you're going to get into have another call or another Zoom where you start to ask a deeper level of questions. And this is where this free bonus discussion guide comes in, is that you are going to get into the company background, explore questions around their business, the needs of their business, the project scope. And this is also going to give you the opportunity to upsell the project, like selling in strategy or competitive audits or consumer research or extra deliverables on top of what they think they already need. And so you have this conversation and you know there will be a meeting of the minds or there won't be. And you will get a generalized commitment from the client that they want to go to the next step. They want to go to a proposal step. But remember, everyone's got to want to do it. Like the client has to want to work with you, but then you also have to understand that you have a choice to make in terms of whether this is the sort of client that you want to work with. Do you want to work with them? And then you're going to get a general idea. The next little bullet is you're going to get a general idea of who the project stakeholders are, both on the client side, how many people are going to be involved in the project, and on the agency side, whether it's you, whether it's additional outside contractors, and you're going to have a discussion around that. Now, this one step I'm going to talk with you about is a very important step before the proposal. And this is something that I learned when I started my own consultancy about seven years ago, which is that when I first started off, I was developing fully-fledged proposals after this discovery call conversation. And I was you know, putting a, you know, hours and hours worth of work into this proposal. I was sending it to the client, and they were having sticker shock and saying, oh my gosh, I had no idea it was going to be so expensive. And so in order to avoid that, what I do and what I would recommend that you do is that you have a ballpark fee email stage where you've gone through the discovery call, you've decided that you want to take it to the next step. It sounds like it would be good to work with each other. I say, the next step in the process is I'm going to send you an email with a recommended generalized idea of the phases I think that you need for this project. And I'm going to break down the fee structure in for the project in an email. If you agree to that generalized ballpark quote, then we'll go to the next step and do a fully fledged proposal. And they say, great, because here's the thing, to type out an email with some generalized pricing and you don't have to be held to that pricing, you don't want to undercut yourself. If they freak out at that point and they say, oh, wow, this is you know much more than I expected, then it's a great time to walk away and say, hey, I have an agency I can recommend you to, or here's a freelancer who might be a better fit for you. And you have not spent five or eight hours putting together a fully fledged proposal in order to address their needs. So that's a word to the wise. The next step here is the project proposal. So a project proposal is a multi-page document. And what it includes is an introductory letter. So usually a page, it's kind of a, a letter introduction a description of your agency, a little paragraph on why they should choose you. And then you also want to have the lay out the project phases. So the project phases could include discovery, could include a competitive audit, brand strategy, brand identity, graphic design, motion design, whatever kind of design, illustration, motion, marketing materials that you produce, and outlining all of the steps of interaction, the deliverables, how many meetings there are, and all of the phases and fees. You would also include in that document a calendar, so a project calendar. It's good to lay it out in a Gantt chart or some sort of flow chart 
so they can see how phases back up to each other, how long they are, if some phases overlap with each other. So you want to include a project calendar, again, the fees and pricing for each phase. And then you're also going to be including your, your terms and condition contract, your legal contract for the project. The next step is project acceptance. So project acceptance. So you send them the proposal. They read it through a couple of days. They're like, this aligns with your ballpark email. I love all the detail in the phases. There may be a revision or two or they're like, we don't need this phase, or you might have to tweak aspects of it, but say they like the proposal. The next step is for them to accept it. So they're going to be signing the legal terms and agreements for your proposal and formally accepting it. I generally get them to formally accept it in an email. Then they will also sign the fees, the phases and fees page, and also the terms and conditions contract. And I actually make those two separate things. And I can go into that just a little bit, but, and I actually will go into it a little bit later, but I have them sign two things. I have them sign the total fees page where it has the, you know, the phases, the price for each phase, and then the total. And I have a signature line on that page of the proposal. I also have a page that's the terms and conditions, the contract that goes into working with my agency. And they also sign and execute that. I send both these documents via Adobe Sign and they sign it digitally. But the purpose of having those two documents is separate. And this is important and could be a, you know, a little power tip for you guys is that once they sign the terms and conditions contract, the contract can say this contract is good for all subsequent engagements or projects that we do together until it is terminated in writing by both parties. And what that does is really great is if a client comes back to you and wants another project, you don't have to go through the whole terms and conditions contract again. They can just sign the phases and fees page and you put a little thing in there saying, you know, the terms and conditions signed before are still in force. And then you don't have to go through all that rigmarole. That's just a little hint. Number two is project kickoff and brand foundation. The proposal signed, you've gotten your deposit, and you're now ready to kick off the project. When the proposal signed, the first thing you want to do is you want to have a project kickoff call. And that is you want to get all of the stakeholders, both on the agency side and the client side who are involved in the project on Zoom, on the phone, in person, in a room in the client's offices or the agency's offices, all at the same time to kick off the project where you're going to outline and verbalize the phases of the project, what's going to happen, what the deliverables are, who all the stakeholders are, what their roles and responsibilities are, so everybody knows what's going on at the beginning. This is important because when you're working with a large company, there can be tons of stakeholders. And when you're working with smaller companies, it can be much fewer. But when there are larger companies, you want to make sure that you're completely understanding all the stakeholders and all the reviews and sign-offs that have to happen in a project. Because many times you may be working with a brand manager or a smaller department within a larger company. And then towards the end of the project, they say, oh, now we have to get this signed off on by the CMO or the VP of marketing. And you're like, what? And so you don't want to not understand all the phases of approval that you have to go through in any project. So you want to do that in the kickoff. And then you're going to go into discovery. And this is different from the discovery call. So the discovery call and discussion guide that I shared with you at the very beginning is about digging into the company and before you actually do the proposal, before you win the job. 
This discovery is really stakeholder interviews where you're interviewing people in the company or you're possibly even interviewing some of their customers in order to understand more about the brand. And then there's the review of the business documentation. This is a phase of kickoff where you're saying, hey, we're really excited about working with this project with you. Please send us all of the documentation about your brand, whether that's a product brand, whether it's a company brand, whether it's a particular division, whoever it is that you're working with, send us your business plans, your strategy, any user research, any data you have, past marketing, campaigns, anything that you can send us that is going to saturate us and help us learn everything we need to know to be a great brand partner for you. So the brand documentation review is a key part of project kickoff. So research. Now, this is one of those phases where depending on the size of the project and the size of the company that you're working with, it may or may not happen. Meaning when we look at branding projects or design projects and the process steps involved in them, user research is one of those things that smaller companies generally don't do and larger companies do tons of. So even working with a smaller company, you may do something like a research phase where you're doing a competitive audit, where you're doing a high-level audit, a review of who their competition is and presenting it back to the client. That's not unusual to do for smaller companies. But the larger piece of that is consumer insight research, where you're actually doing possibly qualitative focus groups with dozens of possible consumers of that particular category in multiple cities around the country or multiple countries around the world depending on the size of the brand, to find out the insights and attitudes about the brand that are going to affect the project. So there may be quantitative studies, meaning things like SurveyMonkey, or they're based in quantitative metrics, or there may be qualitative measures, so focus groups, interviews of that nature. Research before you actually do the project. Now, there are research phases that happen after the project is over, and I'm going to talk about those also. The next is brand strategy. And brand strategy, if it does not exist, you're working with a new company, a startup, a solopreneur starting up a business, the brand strategy might not exist. You might actually be getting hired to do brand strategy or a redo, a revision of their brand strategy, or their brand strategy might already exist. And if it does exist already, you'll want to review that as part of your brand documentation review. But if it doesn't exist, some of the steps that go into brand strategy are the following. And this is something that I wanted to share with you, which is that I have a course, Brand Strategy 101, which I'm going to tell you a little bit about later on. It's not going to be long. It's just be a couple seconds. This is not a webinar. But if you're curious about brand strategy and want to learn it, I have a video course on it that I delivered live a couple times last year. It's now evergreen video. So if you want to learn more about brand strategy, I have ways for you to do that and to really up your game in your business. So some of the things that are, can be delivered with brand strategy are things like brand positioning statements, mission or vision statements, brand pyramids, customer avatars, brand personality, brand voice, brand expressions, so visual or verbal expressions of the brand. Those are the sorts of things delivered in brand strategy, and that is a key step or phase in any project, whether it is part of the actual phases of the deliverable or whether it's just a review of those things as you kind of absorb everything that you need to know about the brand. Stage three, 
the creative brief. The creative brief is really important and not only important to you, but it's also important to the client and it's also important to the success of the project. And even if your client doesn't understand what a creative brief is, I recommend that you do it for yourself, even if they are not providing it to you or they don't know what it is. Larger companies, they will, and they will provide it to you. So who creates creative briefs? Generally, on the larger scale, the client creates a creative brief and delivers it to the agency for the project. And then the agency will look at it, they'll review it. It's very common that agencies will bitch and moan about how bad the creative brief is, and then they will go back to the client and have things added or revised. And it's a back and forth between the client and the agency or the creative provider to nail down the creative brief. The reason this is really important is because everyone's got to agree to it because the creative brief is what's going to guide the success of this project from here on out. What is in a creative brief? There are seven main pieces of a creative brief, and I'm going to go into slight detail over them. And I've actually got some creative brief examples in Brand Strategy 101 in terms of templates that you can actually use. So here are the pieces that you need to consider in a creative brief. Number one is the project. What's the brand? What's the mission of the brand? Number two, what are the goals? What are the goals of the project? What are the business objectives? And what are the design objectives of the project? Number three is context and insight. So this is who's the consumer target? Who's the competition? What are the key insights around the category of business that we have to understand and take into consideration as we develop the project or the brand? Number four is what I call the toolkit. And the toolkit is capturing what the benefits of the product or service are, the PODs or the points of differentiation, how the product or service is better or different than competition. Also any visual brand equities. So these are things like logos, colors, visual brand architecture of how things are laid out that have to be maintained. There's also communication hierarchy and communication hierarchy in the toolkit is what has to be communicated, and what is the hierarchy of that communication. In the case of packaging, it's really easy to understand when you talk about communication hierarchy. So like if you take a soup can, the soup can, the communication hierarchy might be brand, type of soup it is, flavor, and then no salt, low fat. So there's four levels of communication hierarchy. So In a marketing campaign, let's say we're promoting social media marketing world in San Diego. We might say it's the number one conference about social media in the United States. Number one would be it's called social media marketing world. Number two, it's in San Diego. Number three, the time of the year it is. Number four, how many speakers are going to be there and how many attendees, how popular it is. That might be the communication hierarchy. The next is the requirements. And this means the requirements of the project. And again, I'm just reviewing this. This is all inside the creative brief. These are what are the deliverables of the project? Are there any mandatories? Are there any things that have to be accomplished? And also, what are the success criteria? So how is this going to be judged as far as how the project is successful? Is it going to get more followers? Is it going to increase sales by 15%? Is it going to be the success of a a particular marketing campaign with a bump in sales of a particular product or service, what are the success criteria? Number six is logistics. Some of this is in the proposal. So 
logistics of dates, any specific dates that need to be hit, any key milestones that need to be hit. And also, are there any research needs? Meaning, is there any research that's needed before or after the project is done? And then finally, number seven in the creative brief are approvals. So the names, the titles, the contact information for all of the stakeholders who have to give approvals in the project, and then what their level of review or approval is. You want to capture that in the brief. So that's the creative brief. Now, after you capture all of that stuff in a creative brief and the client and you have signed off on it, it's important that you use and review that brief before every single review or presentation that you have. And the reason is, with larger companies, it's important. Smaller companies, not so important, is that things change. So things change constantly moving in a corporation, new products, new services, new sales, new heads of marketing, whatever that is. You want to review the creative brief on a high level. This is the project, the brand. These are the mandatories, communication hierarchy. This is the deliverable, blah, 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 blah. Has any of this changed? No. Okay, great. Let's look at the work. And so using it as a a bellwether, a target, a bullseye to make sure that when you are presenting design or creative work, you are using the creative brief as a subjective target for what you are about to present. That puts you in a power position because when you present your work, you can speak to your work as how it delivers to the creative brief. It makes it objective and it takes out of the subjective of I like purple, I like this, I like that and brings it back to what are the deliverables of the project? What are the objective deliverables of the project that have to be delivered? And if you start off every meeting with a review of the creative brief, it keeps it out of the world of subjectivity and more into the objective. So design strategy. Before you get into design, there is a stage called design strategy. Now, this is yet another phase or piece of step in the process, which depending on the scale of the client that you're working with, you may or may not do this. If it is a larger project where there's a lot of deliverables or there's a lot of stakeholders or there's it's a huge budget and there's a lot of money involved, many times you do a strategy phase where you're taking the brand strategy and it's starting to become visual before you do the actual design work. I go into this in excruciating depth in brand strategy 101. But what design strategy looks like is essentially. You've heard of stylescapes, right? So mood boards, stylescapes, I call them creative anchors, theme boards, where you're starting to create and illustrate visually color schemes, design styles, fonts, photography styles that are giving a kind of a creative zeitgeist overview of the direction of the creative exploration that you're going to do. And there may be multiple versions in multiple different aesthetics that are created and then reviewed in order to narrow down where the creative exploration is going to happen. So that is a key part of the design phase. The next step is design. You guys know what this is. So you're developing the creative work. You take it to the client and you present it. They give you feedback. You go back, you do some revisions, may add some additional designs or variations. You take it back to the client. You do a round two. They give you more feedback and you will go through the rounds revisions until you come to the final design. And that is the design process. The third one is user research. And again, this is an as required. For instance, when I was working with P&G, 
PNG tests everything. So I was overseeing the design for Tide. And when we do a design for Tide, everyone agrees. Finally, the design's done. And then they take it to research, user testing, quantitative and qualitative, before it ever gets produced. And it's got to be approved, basically, in context by users before it actually goes to market. So for your larger companies, larger projects, many times they take the creative work and they'll, you know, put it in quantitative where you do a survey and you show four different designs and you get the customers to pick one, the one they like the best or think is the most successful, or it can go into even focus groups globally, depending on the size or the scale of the brand or the project. Doing user research can happen at the beginning, as I said, or on the tail end of a designer branding project. And then stage five, and I shared this with you guys, is that final delivery and follow-up. And so the first step of this, of the three, is artwork delivery. So the project's done. They love it. Maybe you went to user research testing. They loved it. And so the project is wrapping up. You're delivering the artwork to the client. This may be camera-ready artwork. It may be native files. It may not be. And so the artwork is delivered to the client. And then there is the finalization step, which is where final payment is received. And generally, there is a what we call a post-mortem meeting. So after the project is over, all of the stakeholders, or at least the lead stakeholders on the agency and the client side, will get together and do a post-mortem, a review of a debrief of the project. How well did it go? Were there any stumbling blocks? How did everyone feel about it? Is the client happy? Would you work with us again? So you review the project. So you can agree what went well and what didn't go well, or you can do damage control if something didn't go so well, or you can all celebrate and you know pop champagne and say, that was fantastic. Can't wait to work with you again, which hopefully is the way it goes. And then number three is follow-up. And that is the important part that I told you at the very beginning. So follow-up, this may be you know a month later, two months later, you're going to go back to the client and you're going to ask about the key performance indicators, the KPIs of the project. Are there any performance metrics that were captured or recognized by the client that can prove that design process or the project was successful? And this is a step a lot of agencies don't do regularly. Now, clients can be cagey about how much they tell you. They also can say, that's very hard to track. But if you know the questions to ask and can dig in, you can get metrics, hard metrics, and even qualitative feedback on how successful the project was. So you want to follow up with the client to track KPIs, to track performance metrics, and also to get testimonials, to get qualitative testimonials, verbatims that you can use on your website. This could be client testimonials, could be even consumer testimonials who experienced the new design in the store. You do this because you want to be able to capture these things on your website, in your credentials presentations, and you also are going to go back to the client. The next step is to go back and ask for referrals. Can they refer you to any other department within the company? Can they refer you to any other clients or colleagues or network partners they have who might use your services? So you want to make sure that you're asking for referrals because 75% of that, I'm throwing that number out there, of great and easy work comes from referrals. Getting business through cold, business outreach is tough. And it's always best to nurture relationships, maintain them, and ask for referrals. And then finally, 
final step in follow-up is you want to add the case study to your portfolio and to your website. And this is where I said at the very beginning of the live, so many, so many companies and agencies completely fall down, which is that they do this great work for these clients and then it takes them two years to put a case study up on their website. So they do this amazing work and then their websites are not kept up or they're not showcasing those case studies in any kind of a public way, which is what's going to lead to new work. So if you want to beat out like 80% of the other agencies out there, when you do new work, get it up on your website in case study form fast. And don't forget about it because you'll be on to the next project. You'll be doing the next proposal. You'll be responding to the next outreach from a client. And it's like the cobbler's children have no shoes. We are branding and design people and we don't do branding and design well for ourselves. So make sure that you do and you maintain your website and your credentials, presentation decks, and your case studies on your wherever you are showcasing your work, Behance, your website, whatever. Keep it up to date. And that's the presentation, you guys. Now, as I said, as I was going through this, this is going to be a big pitch, but I offer a course called Brand Strategy 101. And leading you through and teaching you how to deliver brand strategy, even if you're just curious about it and you've never done it before, or have you been in the design game for a while and are looking to up your game and get bigger projects with bigger clients and be able to charge more for the work that you're already doing. By offering brand strategy and that level of thinking and deliverable, you can charge more for the design work that you're already doing. So Check out philipvandusen.com slash BS101 if you want to learn more about my Brand Strategy 101 course. Now, this is the one thing that I said, stick with me to the end. And thank you so much, you guys, for sticking with me to the end. If you go to branddesignmasters.com slash DC checklist, you can download the Discovery Call Checklist, which is part of Brand Strategy 101. And it is an amazing tool and will give you a lot of conversation fodder for that initial discovery call where you are learning more about the client and uncovering opportunities to do a broader scope project for them. So that's a freebie for you. Thank you so much for coming today and go download that. And don't leave yet because I'm going to answer some questions. All right, let's do some Q&A. So Daniel asks, as a freelancer, as artwork is delivered to the client, the question of legal ownership came up. Can an email with the client giving them ownership of the artwork be considered binding for them? Daniel, that's a really good question. And some creatives sell the copyright to the work that they do outright with the project. If people are delivering design work, 95% of the time when people buy it, the brand usually owns the copyright of all of their brand and their name anyway. But so I always put this in my terms and conditions. So this is a section in my terms and conditions contract that says when the project is finished and all of the artwork is delivered and the final invoice is paid, then those rights are transferred to the client and the client owns the work outright. Now, that said, there are some instances where certain types of creative, they maintain the copyright. Music can be one of them. Meaning if an artist is doing a soundtrack for a film and they are producing it for the film, they use it in the film, but they are maintaining the copyright so they get residuals from it. So not all creative projects do they transfer copyright. 
But for the most part, when you are delivering a project in a creative form, copyright is transferred when the design is done. But that an email will probably not suffice. You really have to have signatures, your signature and their signature on a legally acceptable document that's agreed to and legally executed by both parties. Because if it ever comes to a problem, you don't want to be searching for an email that they can say that they never got. I mean, that's not a situation that you want to be in. Okay. Ryan said, what are your main KPIs aside from simply revenue list for smaller companies, 500,000 to 20 million? Ryan, it's a great question. And it depends a lot on what the deliverable is for the project. A KPI for a social media campaign could be, and I did a great video on this, by the way, it's about how to design a marketing campaign. And so say it's a social media campaign, you might be looking for engagement. You might be looking for subscribers or followers or likes or comments or shares. In social media, KPIs can be very soft, meaning they're not contributing directly and immediately to sales. Now, if you're doing a website redesign and you're redoing the customer journey on the website, that could result in KPIs that have to do with calls. It could be how many outreach emails are receiving, how many form fills are we receiving, how many sales calls are our sales team receiving, has our traffic to our website spiked, are our page views, the length of view of our pages gone up, has the number of page views across the site, meaning how the, the visitors are traveling and how long they're staying on the site, has that changed? Depending on what the creative project is, your KPIs can be different. I know what your business you're in, Ryan, and doing work for uh, contractors, doing vehicles and, and marketing materials for contractors. Ryan does probably the most amazing vehicle apps for contractors and service professionals that I've seen. They're all over Pinterest, by the way. Ryan has a very, very, is a very talented guy with a great agency. But so in your case, you know, if you do a truck wrap for a company, the lift they might be seeing is, is brand recognition. So how many people are now familiar or have seen the trucks around if some qualitative focus groups are done? Or how many calls are they receiving, right? Has their average ticket price gone up Just because their brand is perceived as being more premium now that they have more premium looking branding on their trucks? Are they able to charge more for what they do? So depending on what the deliverable is, the KPIs can be associated with that. Hope that helps. Okay, Alex, can this strategy apply in the case you pitch a proposal idea to a new client without them initially asking you, but you believe it would be a better branding for them? Thank you. Now, when you say this strategy, I'm just going to assume that you mean this design process that I just outlined. When you are pitching a new client, I believe what you're saying is you're reaching out cold. If you're reaching out cold to a client and they're not coming to you, can you, can you pitch them? Can you propose a project? Absolutely, you can. I mean, a lot of times what people will do even on LinkedIn is they may do a very high level audit of a client's brand. Look at their website, look at their social media platforms, see what they're doing well, see what they're not doing so well. Take a look at what their competition is doing. How well is their competition or perceived competition doing it? 
and then shoot them a pitch email or a pitch message on LinkedIn and say, hey, my name's so-and-so. I have this kind of agency. We specialize in this sort of work. I love your website. I was just checking out your website and your social media campaigns. And I noticed that you're doing X, Y, and Z really well. But there's one aspect where I think that you might be able to improve. Is that something that you'd like to talk about or explore? So what that is, is using this competitive audit process as a way to find a way in to pitch a new client. So can you use it for that to do branding for them? Yes, you can. All right. Question as a teenager, can you learn graphic design in your free time? Yes, of course you can. Oh my gosh. You have been born into the greatest period of time in history to be able to learn graphic design. Because you can learn graphic design. It used to be you couldn't learn graphic design unless you went to a four-year university and, you know, back in the day, kicked out $75,000. Now it's like $75,000 a year. But you can learn graphic design 100% online for free. And if you take, and if you spend $12 a month, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put something up here because I think this is important. And this is a brand that I completely believe in, which is Daniel Scott. Daniel Scott has a website called Bring Your Own Laptop. And if you go to byol.me forward slash Philip, Daniel Scott is a certified Adobe trainer, and he has been a speaker at the Adobe Max conference for a number of years. He is the best Adobe application teacher that there is. And for, twelve, I think it's like $12 a month, you get access to his entire library of Adobe training programs. And there are hundreds of videos on just about every Adobe program that you can think of. So totally for free, no. But as a teenager, I bet you spend $12 on pizza within a couple of weeks, right? So for $12, you can learn every single Adobe program that can get you to an amazing new career on this website. So I highly recommend Daniel Scott and I completely believe in him. And he's an incredibly great, funny guy and a really good friend. So I I encourage you to check out that website. But can you learn it? Yes. Can you learn it even without Daniel Scott? Yes. YouTube is an incredibly great place to start. And the fact that you are here in this live today is a testament to the fact that you are taking the steps and taking the action in order to learn graphic design and set yourself up for success as a creative professional. So awesome for you. So you guys, thank you so much for coming. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks for the great questions. Come over to the Brand Design Masters Facebook group if you're not there. And uh, there's a great community of folks over there. Stay creative. And I will see you on the flip side or in my next video. Okay, you guys, take care. So from what I shared with you in this live stream, you can tell that I'm super passionate about the power of mastermind communities. And that's because Participating in masterminds helped me break through to a whole new level of professional accomplishment at a really critical, pivotal time in my career. And masterminds also helped me build deep, meaningful network relationships and gave me the motivation and the accountability to build the personal brand and the business that I have today. So I really want to share that power with you too. So if you're interested in finding out more about it, just go to philipvandusen.com bonfire Again, it's philipvandusen.com slash bonfire, B-O-N-F-I-R-E. And I hope to see you beside the bonfire. If you'd like to help support the Brand Design Masters podcast, 
please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you want to stay up to date on all our content, products, courses, and live video shows, head over to philipvandusen.com slash muse and sign up for the Brand Muse newsletter. That's where we share all the latest news, resources, articles, books, and videos that we recommend to help you build and improve your creative practice, personal brand, and business. That's philipvandusen.com slash muse, M-U-S-E. Thanks again for listening. Bye for now.